Happy Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. I just want to read one of the one of the uh, passages. All, all four Gospels talk about what this Sunday represents. And um, in, um, in Luke's account, I mean in John's account, in the 12th chapter, in the 12th verse, it says, On the morrow a great multitude that had come to the feast when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took the branches of the palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And it wasn't too long after that they were ready to kill him. Huh? They were rejoicing, laying palm branches out, excited and everything else. And then the next thing you know, everybody wants him dead. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how things can change? Things can change quickly. And you know what? You know, you know what we're blessed to know? Is that he was established and he was confident in who he was and whose he was. That's where his confidence was. He was confident in whose he was. He was the son of the living God. When he was baptized in the river Jordan by, by John, the Spirit of the Lord came upon and the heart of the Father spoke over him and says, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He knew who he was. And he was confident in who he was. And he didn't have to have the approval of anybody else. And we're blessed that he wasn't moved by the reactions of people after they had loved him and after raising Lazarus from the dead and, and all the great things. And oh my gosh, nothing's, nothing's hit the earth like this. You know? and, and miracles hadn't hit the earth in hundreds of years. They, they hadn't seen a miracle. And then all of a sudden, they see all these miracles and they're blessed and they're happy. And then it wasn't just a short period of time and they're ready to take him out. Amen? And I, and I think there's, there's a moral to that as we're getting close to Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. Um, I've told you that I started last week and shared with you some things in the Word in a little bit different way leading up to Easter Sunday, and I got this thought as I was as I was watching. I haven't seen the movie Risen. How many have seen the movie Risen? It's out in the theaters. But I was watching the trailer to this movie, and in the trailer, as I'm watching it, I realize that the movie is about the crucifixion and all and beyond, where most of the movies about the crucifixion are everything that led up to it. But in this trailer, as I'm watching it, it just, it just struck me. Wow, this, this movie is about the crucifixion and beyond. And, and what it means to us to know that He's risen. So, I spent some time in 1 Corinthians 15, and I shared some things with you last Sunday out of 1 Corinthians 15. And I, and I want to go back and, and look at that again and lay a foundation, because what I'm doing is... I'm, I'm, these, these two Sundays, I'm, I'm talking about what the resurrection has done for us. So we're kind, of, we're kind of preaching it from the other end back to the cross. So today, as I share some things with you, I hope that it makes sense to you 
and that you're able to embrace some things that I believe God has said to me that are important that we understand. Um, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. Let's look at that first. <clears throat> but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, let's all read that in the same translation right here together. Let's read it together. Ready, read. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read it again. Everybody read it. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that we have the victory. There's a lot in this whole chapter here about what that victory looks like. But I want to, uh, and we read this last week, the first scripture that we read last week, and I want to read it, I'm reading it again today because I want us to think first and foremost that we are victorious and we have the victory because of what Jesus did. Not something that's going to come later. We have the victory. And, and, and the victory, the victory that we have is, 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 is all included and inclusive in what happened in the crucifixion, in the, in, in the burial, the, the death and the burial, and the resurrection and the ascension. Everything that happened there is where our victory is, and, and, and it's one thing to know it up here, but it's another thing to be able to receive it day to day. Now, let's just look at, we're not going to read all that we looked at last week, so if you weren't here last week, you just kind of have to catch up. You can always go on the website. You can download for free any of the messages that we have, so they're, they're on there. But... Um, um, I, 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 th this is really important to what I believe God wants to say today. So I want to I I just start with verse 12. We're just going to jump down to verse 12. And it says, Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen... And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he, was raised, that he raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. So, what he's saying here, if Christ isn't risen, then there's no reason to sit here. There's no reason to come and hear this word. There's no reason to tell anybody else about him. There's no reason to believe God for anything in your life if he's not risen. Is that true? If he's not risen. But look at verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. But now, everybody say now. But now Christ is risen from the dead. And he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So he's been risen from the dead, 
but he's just the first of many to be raised from the dead. And what, what does that mean? Well, you'll be raised from the dead. He's the first, and we're the many. He's the first to be raised from the dead, and we'll follow. But there's something that I believe is ironic when we're looking at this message today from beyond the cross and looking back at the cross. There's something that I believe that, and, and all the years that I've pastored, all the years that I've been born again, I'm, I'm making this perceptive statement from the way that I view it that the death that he died and that he rose from, he was not afraid of. He wasn't afraid of. He had some hesitation in the garden. God, if there be any other way, but not my will, your will be done. He had hesitation but he had no fear. He had no fear of death. With that said, I want you to think about some things as we read some more verses in, in this chapter, and, and then I, I, I want to kind of build something that is going to lead to Resurrection Sunday that I, I believe will help you if you'll get this. So, But now Christ is risen from the dead. Now look at verse 26. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. The last enemy is death. For He has put all things under His feet. But when He says all things are put under Him, it is evident that He put all... but that He who put all things under Him is expected. Now when all things are made subject to Him, then the Son Himself will also be subject to Him who put all things under Him, that God may be all and in all. Jesus died, and His death He was not afraid of. And yet, there's so many things in life that I find that people are afraid of. So many fears. The Bible's real clear that God didn't give us fear in any way, shape, or form. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound, and a well-balanced mind. That's what God has given to us, but He hasn't given us fear. But there's something beyond fear that I think all fear is tied to. And it's the fear of dying. If you find somebody that's afraid to fly, they're not afraid of flying. They're afraid of crashing and dying, right? Somebody that's, I mean, I, I, I've known people that are afraid to, to drive their car in a big city. Becky's, some of Becky's grandparents years ago, you know, I remember sitting and listening to her grandmother say, you know, I hate to go to San Antonio because I hate to be in a car in the big city. Why? 
because there was this fear of getting in a wreck and doing what? Dying. It wasn't a fear of a car. It was a fear of dying. There's all kinds of things that people fear, but I, I believe that the fear of death is connected to every form of fear that there is. Because death is not just ceasing to exist, but death is defined in Scripture in a number of different places. In the literal, literal translation, death is defined as being separated from the understanding that God will do what He said He'll do. Many people are afraid that God won't come through for them. So, there, there's a whole list, and I'm, I'm going to mention a few of them. There's a whole list of things that people fear. But what I believe that people are afraid of is death. People, there's the fear of man. Now, there's a lot that can be said about that. There's a lot of different directions that you could talk about being, being the, the fear of man. Um, people can be afraid of uh, and be intimidated by different people in different walks of life. You, you, may be, you may live in one world and be very intimidated by another world of people. Um, uh, the thought of coming in the presence of somebody, like you, you might be intimidated by a movie star, so if you see a movie star, you're going to faint. You can't, you can't hold yourself up because you're so intimidated. There, there's, something, there's something that fear is connected to that's even more than what we think or what our natural minds define fear as. And, and a lot of times, people are intimidated by other people because they don't believe in themselves. And the reason people don't believe in themselves is they don't believe in what Jesus accomplished. If Christ isn't raised from the dead, then listen, we're in this life on our own trying to trudge through all this mess and, and we have no hope, and we have no direction, and we have no destination. But now, Christ is raised from the dead. And because He's raised from the dead, now you and I are in a position to receive everything that He has, be intimidated by nobody, and not be afraid of any relationship with people. Nobody. I don't have to be afraid of anybody. See? And, and, but what I'm saying is, that fear of man is tied to death. And you have to work that because you say, well, I'm not afraid of dying because I'm intimidated. No, but you're afraid. The fear is telling you that this person is better than you are. And so, you, so many people that are afraid or intimidated by other people, they're focused on those people that intimidate them. And, and they go day in and day out focusing and meditating on what these other people are doing and they feel less and less and more worthless about themselves instead of focusing on the things of God and building who they are in Christ and having vision who they are and moving forward and giving no place to that fear. There was an interesting thing. One of the, one of the fears um, that I have written down here is... Uh, disapproval and in John chapter 6 we'll come back to 1 Corinthians 15 but in John chapter 6 there's an interesting this is an interesting passage it's a long chapter so I'm not going to read a whole lot of it but in John chapter 6 Jesus 
You know, Jesus got really, really fed up with all the religious people. He just, they, they really irritated him. I mean, he, it was amazing how, well, not amazing, the self-control that he operated in. I mean, it's a, it's a testament to the God that was in him. You say, well, yeah, but he was the Son of God. Yeah, but he didn't do anything until he was anointed with the Spirit of God, right? He didn't accomplish anything until then. Yeah, he had done all that he had to do as a human being till 30 years old, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and then he accomplished great things because, because of who was in him. If that's not true, then he's not the perfect example for you and I. See, but he is the perfect example, and he is risen, and, and thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through what he accomplished. Amen? I am victorious today because of what he accomplished. He is risen. We're not wasting our time. We're accomplishing much in the earth, and everything that you and I do is to advance the kingdom. We're doing this because we love him, not because we're doing something unto ourselves. Because if he's not raised from the dead, you, just, you better protect yourself. But he is. When? Now. Right now. You don't, have to, you don't have to live another day afraid of anybody in any situation because of what he did. Now, there's, there's a lot here, and I'm not going to go into a bunch of this, but um, he's, trying to, he's trying to get them to understand what he's doing. You know, I mean, he, every time he, tra- he even mentioned about leaving, they all freaked out. I mean, you know, I, that would be the natural response. I mean, here's the one where all these miracles and everything's happening, and then he's trying to tell them he's going to leave. It'll, it'll benefit you that I go away. Well, what? what do you mean it'll benefit me that you go, that, that, that you go away? We need you, you know? But what, he didn't, what they, they were struggling to understand is... If he left, then what was making him do everything would be in them and in all of us, and then we could accomplish even what he did and even greater things, right? That's what he's trying to get over to. So in verse 60, it says, Therefore many of his disciples, as he was trying to tell them about about the blood and his flesh and and his body and, and these kind of things, he said, Many of his disciples, when they heard this, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, their spirit and their life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. From that time, many of his disciples, they went back and walked with him no more. In other words, what? They betrayed him, right? There, there was this disapproval. I mean, if somebody, if somebody is coming to Gates and they leave, then there's this sense of disapproval. You know, if, somebody, if somebody's working a job and they get offended and, and there's something they don't like, then there's this attitude of disapproval in, in their leaving. See, so it says that many of them left and because there was disapproval. But notice what Jesus said. Um, verse 65, and he said, 
Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him by the Father. From that time on, uh, verse 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, those guys left. They they left us. What are we going to do? They left. They're disapproving. They they didn't like what I said. I mean, I, I think I offended them. No, that's not what he said. Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Do you want to go also? Do you need to go also? Let me open the door. Don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. Let me open the door for you. Do you need to go also? I mean, that's in essence, that's what he was saying, right? And and but but what he but what, my point is this: Jesus wasn't trying to get rid of them. Jesus was was concerned that they weren't getting what they needed to receive, right? Because where offenses come is when we don't realize who we are and whose we are. The reason he was not moved by any of that, and they did eventually all forsake him, and the reason he wasn't moved, I'm not saying he didn't have to battle in his emotions. Everybody battles in your emotions. But he was not moved by it because he was more convinced of who he was and who he belonged to than what other people did. And the fear of disapproval causes so many people to sink. And what is it? What's tied to it? It's the fear of failure. It's the fear of failing. It's the fear that what God has promised, He will not come to pass in. He will not be able to do that. There's a passage in Romans 4 where Abraham finally, after 25 years, came to a point where he was convinced that what God was prom- had promised, he was able also to perform it. And that's where you and I have to come. And to do that, we have to get rid of this death thing that's on us. You will never live in the life of God when you're afraid of death. This passage in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go back there. There's a statement in here, I'm going to read some more of this, but there's a statement I'm just going to pull out of here. That the grave has no victory. The grave has no victory over the living. What does that mean? We're not afraid of dying. We're not afraid of being separated. We're not afraid of leaving this body. Because, listen, God's promised us long life. And not just long life, but a long and a prosperous life until you're done. But listen to me. How many are sitting in here that were born in the 1700s? Nobody. And how many... We'll be sitting here in 200 years from now.
in this same dispensation of time, in 200 years from now, how many people are going to be sitting here? Now, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, because I can't tell you that the Bible says that you can't live 200 years. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. I think there's record of, uh, I read something on this a while back, there was record of, of a couple of people, maybe in China, that were still alive in their 150s, 152, 153, something like that. Uh, so, I, whatever. So, if, if you think maybe in 200 years you'll still be here, but I'm going to tell you this, the longer you live, the more funerals you'll go to. And if that bothers you, you're going to live a tormented life on earth. Why? Because of the fear of death and, and the grave having control over your life. God doesn't want the grave having control. Now, there's three passages that I just I want you to look at. And just, this is just a little mini breakdown of the way God thinks that I, that, I, that I see. In Psalm 90 and verse 4, uh, Psalm 90 and verse 12, Psalm 90 and 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What's he, what's he saying? That we're not here in this body forever. Number your days. Count your days. Number your days. Be aware of your days. Be aware God wants you and I to get the most out of every day. It's, this is not forever. But, but look at the next verse. 1 Peter 3 and 8. This is the way God thinks. 1 Peter 3 and 8. Again, I say this. If we are afraid of death, and we, we live in the fear of death, we'll never live in the life of God on the earth, being afraid of death. And Christ is risen now, and one of the passages in 1 Corinthians 15 says this, death is swallowed up in what? Victory. Death is consumed in the victory. Now, where did I tell you? 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3 and verse 8. Finally, uh, is that where I wanted to go? That's not what I wanted. I just wanted you to see it. Why didn't I? That's not the right verse. Anyway, what it, is, what it says is that a day is a thousand years. That in God's timetable, one day is like a thousand years. So, if you broke down, if you broke down that a day is a thousand years and you lived a hundred years on the earth, what that would translate out to in God's thinking is that you would live about an hour and a half. 
So, if I, if I lived, I'm just using the figures, I'm going to live until I'm done. I expect to live until I'm done. But in God's figures, if I live to be 120 years old, then I have about 40 minutes left. And in about 40 minutes, where I'll be is departed from this with no fear. Grave has no power, the grave has no power because death has been defeated. Amen? And then what will happen is the resurrection of my glorified body so that I'll be able to see Him and connect with Him face to face and all my loved ones. Both of my, my birth mother and my stepmother in the last two years have gone to be with God. They're there. And, and, and I'll be face to face with them and connecting with them. In about somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour. That's God's timetable. That's the way God thinks. See, and what He's wanting us to do is to realize uh, in, 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 in James, I think it is 4, it says that our life is but a vapor. And the point, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to focus on, you know, on leaving. I want you to focus on this life is really short and God wants us to live in the fullness of it now. And He doesn't want the fear of death to control us because Jesus is resurrected now and His resurrection defeated death and you and I don't have to be afraid of a thing or a person or a devil or nothing. We have been liberated and set free. And whom the sun sets free, man, they're free. Amen. I'm free today. Yes. I'm liberated today. You and I are liberated today and don't have to give in to the fears of life. Not anything. Not anything. Not the fear of death of any way, shape, or form. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Hebrews 2, and then I want to finish in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 15. Hebrews 2 <clears throat> talks about us right here. Verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, who Jesus did. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death, fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The fear of death produces bondage. To be liberated from the fear of death produces life now. Amen? You and I need to live in the life of God now. We need to live in peace now. We need to live in prosperity and health and healing and deliverance of every kind right now. To do that, we have to be liberated from the fear of death. He liberated you. You have to receive it. He's already done the work. You and I have to receive it when? Every day. We have to receive it every day. Because what I'm telling you, when, when, when I'm saying 
the fear of man or the fear of disapproval or the, the fear of failure or the fear of this thing or that thing or the, the fear that sickness is going to take you out or the fear you know, that you don't have enough money and you're going to be made a fool of because you're, it seemed like you're going broke and you're going down or this isn't working out. I mean, whatever it is, whatever it is in life, it's all tied to the fear of death. And he that had the power of death, that is the devil, was stripped of that over 2,000 years ago. Amen? (laughs) So the truth is this. Everybody listen to me. The devil ain't who he thinks he is or tries to make us believe that he is. He's not who he used to be because he had the power. He stripped Adam and Eve of that, and he had the power and the authority in the earth. He had the power. But Jesus is risen now. Amen? And the fact that he's risen right now empowers you and I to not be afraid of any form of death whatsoever. Amen? You know what? I heard somebody say this a long time ago, and it's it's never... It, 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 it's caused me, when, when, I, when, I, when, when, people, when people have someone close to them leave, I've had a number of people in the last few years that have been really close to me leave. And, and they've, they've, they've left to the other destination. See, they're, they're, they're not gone. They're just over there. And I'm here. But in 45 to 50 minutes, I'll be over there. Or so. Right? Right. And, 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 and see, this happens because the last enemy is death. And, and the stats that I saw as I Googled this a while back is that every second, two people die. By the end of the day, 150 some odd thousand people will have left. There's 7 billion? Oh my gosh, we're, we're, we're declining. No, because every second, four are born. <laughs> the birth is double the death. Two more. And I'm not focusing on the death. I'm just saying. Everything around you is dying. Everything around you. The grass, the flowers, they come up, they die, they go, they, they do whatever. It's up and down and everything around is dying. Because we're, we are still in a time when death is not finished. It's not done. But death has no dominion and control over you and I. It has no power over us. So we can live in the life of God. So I can love my wife and I can love my children and I can be excited and, 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 and I can live fulfilled every day and I don't have to dread and, and, and be under the gun and under the, you know, the, the control of what if and oh my God. No, no, no. It's, it, it's going to happen. God created it that way. It, that, that's the way it happens. But I'm going to live full. 
And because not everybody understands that, I'll go to a lot of funerals. But I won't say this. I won't say this. I won't say this. I'm sorry for your loss. To die is gain. So you just have to get Scripture on everything. To die is gain. I'm not sorry for your loss. I can have compassion and understand. I'm telling you, the other day was my mother's passing day. I didn't even think about it until I saw it on social media from one of my siblings. And I just thought about how much that I miss her. It's been a year. Man, I really missed her. You know, I even kind of got a little emotional about it. But it's not a loss. And in 2006, on the front porch of my house, on the little swing that I had, a letter to the Lord. I know where she's at. It's not a loss. Okay, all right, she's, she's not here today. Yeah, but I can't live in that. Death will not have dominion over my life. I'm not going to be controlled about this supposed loss. In 45 or so minutes, I'll see her. That's God's timetable. Death is swallowed up in the victory that I have in Christ Jesus. Now is Christ raised from the dead. And is he not just raised, but in all dominion and authority and power. And death does not have victory over me. No victory. Death has no victory. Not over any of us. But we have to practice it. Because I promise you, the fear of man... Fear of disapproval, fear of getting sick and dying, fear of this thing and that thing. All those fears will come at you. But thanks be to God. Always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands and let's thank Him for it. Thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph in Christ. Every day, in every situation. And He is not a liar and His word is true. Let God be true and let every devil and every man be a liar. But God is true and His Word is true today. Glory to God. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Let me... Oh, I didn't even finish that. I got so excited. For indeed... Verse 15 of Hebrews 2. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he, he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And he delivered us where we were tempted, because he was tempted and tested at all points, yet without sin, able to come to the aid of those that are. So you will be tempted. You will have the issues that come against you. But I'm telling you, the victory is yours in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to end with these few verses. <clears throat> this, is, this right here is what you and I have to realize that this process has to happen. Verse 53. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on when this when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory amen now watch this verse 55 oh death where is your sting <laughs> you know paul's writing this letter right here and, uh, you know, there's not chapter and verse and letters, but he's getting toward the end of this. And uh, you can kind of see some sassiness in what he's saying. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, hell, where's your victory? Sting of death is sin. The strength of, the, of sin is the law. But none of that matters because thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Death is swallowed up in victory. So, so, he was raised from the dead, and there'll be a day that you'll be raised from the dead. Now, we don't all understand that with our natural mind, what it means. Okay, so where's that going to be, and how's that going to happen? Well, it just depends on where you're at when the end of time comes. And, and, and there's several interpretations of what the end looks like, you know, from the rapture of the church to to just the millennial reign, that everything will stay like it is until the millennial reign of Jesus. But one thing that's going to happen, He is coming back. And however that happens, we have this expectation of that. And wherever you're at in life, wherever you're at in life, will determine what that resurrected body looks like. But everybody, everybody has a new body. He's making a new heaven. He's making a new earth. He's making new bodies. Listen, and heaven, earth that we know of, is a replica of heaven. So the new heaven, new earth, I mean, it's not going to be some freak show. It's, it's not going to be like the Jetsons and, you know, this kind of thing. It, it's it's going to be something that our minds can't comprehend, but we'll know. Why? Because heaven is already in us. So when you cross over into the next time and, and where you live. And, and how many desire to live a long and a full life here on planet Earth? God wants you to live long and full. Well, Pastor, if it's going to be all that, we might as well just go now. No, 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 no. We're here for long life, to live long and full lives. I'm just saying, if all we think about is death, and a lot of people do, you can't live in the fullness of God. We need to live appreciative of everything that we have. So as this incorruptible puts on as the corruptible puts on the incorruptible, right? And the mortal puts on the immortality, then is death swallowed up in the victory. And until that time, we live letting death know it has no dominion over me. I'm afraid of nothing. Not anything, not any person, not any circumstance or situation. Listen, if you've got circumstances in your life that you know don't line up with the Word, then they are subject to change. And you know how they'll change? As you connect with God, as you begin to believe, to receive the things that God has for you, you'll see those things manifest and happen. 
We don't have to be afraid of what we don't have. We can live in the fullness of what we do have, thanking God for how great He is, not what we don't have or what we do have, but how great He is. And the more we do that, the more we're connected to Him and on the receiving end, and then we say as Abraham, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. I am convinced that what God has promised, He is able also to perform it. And when you're not afraid of death, and you're not afraid of how things are going to happen when you get you trying to work it all out. Abraham tried to help God out. He tried to have a kid for him and tried to do all these things. And he lied and he did all this stuff trying to work it all out. It took 25 years, but it all came to pass. Amen? Because he became convinced that God's promises were more real than what he saw. He was 99, his wife was 90, and they bore a child seemed impossible, and what was impossible with God, what was impossible with man, was possible with God. And it's the same thing, it's the same way with you and I. So we position ourselves to be on the receiving end of everything that God has. Amen? And verse 58 is the verse that we'll end with today. Happens to be the last verse. The verse we'll end with today, in what you and I, this is the way, this verse is... An example of the way you and I are to live our lives on planet earth every day right here. We just said in verse 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58 says, therefore, because of the victory that we have in Christ, therefore, because Christ is risen from the dead now, because death is swallowed up in victory, because death has no dominion over me, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding. Steadfast, immovable, and always abounding. God's given us a, a, a nice example and, and, and a mark to follow after. Be immovable. Yeah, I was moved by that yesterday. Well, today I'm not going to be. Today I'm going to work through this. Today I'm going to get on top of this situation. So no matter what comes and all the fears that try to come to your head, it's not the fact that fear is in your head, it's what you do with it, right? And we're not going to give fear and the fear of death any control over our lives. How many believe that today? Can say amen.